0: Well, good morning church. Uh, May the peace of the Lord be with you wherever you are joining us uh, from this morning. We are starting a new series today and and the title of our new series is The Dawning of a New Day. We will be looking at part one uh, this morning, which is titled A New Opportunity. Uh, Through this series, we will be looking at uh, how God orchestrates the dawning of a new day in the lives of people and, and how people rise up to walk with God and to embrace His promises to make a new day a, a reality in their lives. I am excited this morning to, to begin this series and particularly excited this morning because I am going to talk about my father. The person that I am calling my father is actually your father too. Now, for those of you gathering at homes this morning, you can go ahead and guess who this father of us all is. I'll wait. Did someone answer God? He's gonna be talking about God this morning. If you said God, you would be not correct. I often say to people that I have three fathers. The third person that I will mention this morning is the one that I'll be talking about today. So who are these three fathers? Well, first of all, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul prays and he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So God the Father who created me, who breathed life into me, and who loves me is the first and foremost important father that I have. He is the everlasting father that I will always have. And secondly, I have an earthly father according to the flesh through whom God brought me into this world. Now the third father I have, you will all be familiar with the moment I mention his name. It's Father Abraham. In the book of Romans chapter four, verse 16 and 17, The scripture declares, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God. The fatherhood of of Abraham has obtained the recognition of God Himself. Don't you remember the time in, in the Gospels where Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 23, verse 9, not to call anyone on the earth their father because they have only one Father who is in heaven? Well, God has made an exception to that and has recognized Abraham as the father of many nations particularly as the father of those who are of the faith of Abraham. This is so much important, Church, because when God instituted this father-son, father-daughter relationship between us and, between, and, and Abraham, in doing so, God was declaring His desire for us to be like Abraham. Just as, just as children inherit the personalities and the physical characters of their parents according to the flesh, so do children according to the faith inherit the spiritual personalities and characters of their parents according to the faith. Now, to really understand this and to get deeper into this message, let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. There the scripture declares from verse one, now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that i will show you i will make you a great nation i will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and i will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so abram departed as the lord had spoken to him And Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. When God spoke to Abraham Church, Abraham was a seventy-five years old man. He had many issues in his life, and, and for a man of his age he had a number of things going not for but against him. He had lost his brother by the name Haran. He recently lost his father while he was sojourning from the land of Ur onto the land of Canaan. And Abraham was also married, but his wife was barren and they did not have a child. In addition, it was a time of his life where he had no permanent settlement, as his family had already gone out of their native land of Ur and they were on their way and in the process of relocating to a new land. And lastly, Abraham was also an idol worshipper, together with all his family. In the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 2, the Bible says, And Joshua and Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in all times, and they served other gods. So Abraham, with all his family, were serving other gods and idols. Now, it was in this moment of desperation and hopelessness that God spoke to our father Abraham. Now, as equally important as God speaking to Abraham is the place where he spoke to him. Now, the name Haran represented grief and death for Abraham. I say this because on the one hand, it was the name of abraham's brother who had died before they left the land of ur and secondly haran was also the name of the place where they dwelt in their way on their way to canaan and it was the place where his father also died so haran the name haran somehow represented the lowest point in abraham's life Apart from representing grief and death, it was also a place of confusion for Abraham. Abraham left from his native land of Ur under the leadership of his father, who is now dead. Therefore, he had to make a decision whether he is to move forward to Canaan, or to go back to the land of Ur, or to stay there in Haran. But, oh church, Glory be to the God who meets us at the very lowest point of our lives. It was at that crucial moment where everything seemed stagnated, where everything seemed to stand still, that God spoke. It was at that very place that represented death and grief that God spoke. At the very place where Abraham was broken, God stooped down to gather and fix the broken pieces of His life and make something glorious out of Him. At the very place that represented hopelessness, God stooped down to restore His hope. And at the very place that represented confusion, God came to provide guidance, He came to provide clarity, and He came to renew His life and His opportunities and to show him and to lead him into a new land. So this was really a turning point in Abraham's life. But he had to make a decision. He could have said no to God and stayed in Haran and, and tried to figure out his own life on his own. And by doing so, he, he could have stayed in the known but nevertheless in a hopeless situation. Or he could, he could say yes to God get out of haran and trust god to lead him onto a brighter day and abraham chose the latter he received god's helping hand he obeyed his his instructions to get out of his country to get out of his father's house and onto a land that god was to show him now this is what started abraham's journey into a new land and into a new opportunity ahead of him it's important to note, however, that Abraham did not possess the land that God promised him the day after God promised him. There was a process to get there. It took time. God had to work on Abraham. God had to work on Abraham's vision. By vision, I am not talking about his physical eyes, but I am talking about uh, his, his spiritual awareness of who God is and what God's purposes and plans are for his life. So to bring this about, God would repeatedly come to Abraham. He would declare his promises to Abraham. He would take him outside and show him the, the night, at the night the stars of the heaven and, and, and declare to him that his seeds will not be counted just as no one could count the stars on the heaven. He would take him to a place where there is lots of sand and declare that his descendants will not be numbered as the sand cannot be numbered. Now, we don't really know what was in Abraham's heart when he initially said yes to God. Did he follow him because of the promises? Did he follow him because, looking at where he was, maybe he had nothing much to lose? It's hard to say, but, but one thing is for sure. No matter what his initial intention was in following God, in the process of time, Abraham discovered what his true price and what his true reward was. And God's journey with Abraham was also to help Abraham to get to this point, to get to this place of discovery of what his true reward was. What is this reward? Let's look at Genesis chapter 15 verse one. There God comes and appears to Abraham and he, he declares, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid abram i am your shield your exceedingly great reward now before abraham became abraham his name was abram god had to change his name to abraham later on so god came here and god is declaring to abraham that god himself is the exceedingly great reward that abraham was to receive abraham's great reward was not the land that he was to possess. Abraham's great reward was not the sheep and the cattle and the gold and the silver that he acquired. It was not the offspring that God was going to give him. His exceedingly great reward was God himself. God knows that there is nothing greater than himself that he could offer and give to Abraham. But the question is, did Abraham know that? did Abraham have that understanding. But thank God, Abraham, in the process of time, did reach that point of understanding. Now, it is in the same chapter 15, where God declared he was the exceedingly great reward for Abraham, that we find the verse that says, Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I have, I have a particular way that I visualize this verse in my heart. You can see when, when God came to Abraham, he came by declaring his promises. God says, I will bless you and make you a blessing. And I will make you great. I, I will make you a father of many nations and so on and so on, God comes and and gives him many promises. It was as if God was clothed with all these promises when he appeared to Abraham. So when the Bible says that Abraham believed in the Lord, I feel like Abraham uncovered God from his promises and he hugged the very person of God. It was no longer about the promises. It was no longer about what God could and would and should do to Abraham. It was now all about having that relationship with God and being able to stand before His presence. What do you see in your walk with Christ? Is it just the promises? Or have you fixed your eyes on Him? That is the proper perspective to have, church. That is the proper perspective to have. When you reach that point, things will begin to fall into place. Once Abraham believed in God, he was no longer tossed to and fro by the circumstances, but rather he was confident in God like Paul declared in, in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Here is therefore my concluding remark. God consistently provides us with new opportunities in life. In order to, and in order to embrace these opportunities, church, we need to learn to trust and to obey Him. But trust and faith are often things that we struggle with. And the main reason why we do struggle with, why do we struggle with faith and, and trust is because often it is the case that our faith has no foundation to stand upon. Abraham struggled at times with his faith until his eyes were opened in Genesis chapter 15 where he refocused his attention on God himself. That refocusing of his eyes on God was what served as a foundation for his faith. When he reached that point of trusting God himself, apart from the promises, apart from what God has declared on his life, he trusted. God himself, and when he reached that point, it was no longer an issue to trust on his promises. Let me give you one example, one more example on this. Now, you, you remember the, the Roman centurion who, whose servant was sick and he came to Jesus and asked him for healing. By the end of the conversation, the Bible tells us that Jesus marveled at the faith of this Roman centurion. Now, this is what happened. Jesus said to the centurion man, that I will come to, his, to your house and heal your servant. That should have been the end of the discussion. If Jesus said that to you, you would have said, all right, Jesus, let's go. But the centurion man replied and he said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He didn't want Jesus to come to his house, house, but just say to him to speak a word and that his servant will be healed. What a great declaration of faith this is. This was not a mere statement, but a declaration of faith that stood upon the foundation of a revelation of who Jesus was. Now, as a leader of the Roman army, this centurion understands the principle of how subordinates in an army are to carry out the commands of their superiors without any reservation. Somehow this centurion, he had received a revelation that the same principle applied between Jesus and his word, that if Jesus declared something to be done Just as a soldier would rush to carry out the orders of his superior, so does the word of the Lord rush to fulfill his command. And it was upon this revelation, and it was upon this understanding that the the centurion's faith stood firm. So church, what revelation have you received about who God is, so that your faith will stand firm on that foundation? Just as Abraham believed in God, and the centurion believed on the authority of Jesus, we also need to examine where our focus is. I want to challenge us this morning to focus and to strive towards attaining the knowledge of who God is. When we receive that knowledge, church, nothing will move us, nothing will shake us. And in closing, I want to pray the prayer of Paul for us this morning from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.